Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're in a series right now on awakening real faith with a message called Unseen, Filled by Faith. And while you listen, think about a need in your life right now. What will you need to empty or let go of in order to allow God to meet that need? It's time for Real Life Radio. Faith is the intersection between your need and God's supply. Faith is the intersection between your need and God's supply. Now, first thing I just want to point out, God has a supply. God has a supply. Philippians, again, chapter 4, he says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. He has a supply. Call it storehouse, warehouse, whatever you want to call it. It's call it spiritual, call it, you know, I'm not going to try to metaphysically define it for you here today. Okay. I'm just saying the scripture is crystal clear. God has a supply and you're like, okay, but I have a need. The intersection between your need and God's supply is faith. That's what this woman would come and she would shake every one of us to try to get us to understand what she's saying. And that does bring, understand something. This is interesting, and I want you to, I really want you to hear this. That makes us look at our needs differently, doesn't it? Think about it. I think of my needs typically as that's a problem. I have a need. It's a problem to be solved. And I don't like having problems. And I'm not happy about it. And it's an area of lack. And I'm uncomfortable in it. And I wish, just wish it could get solved and go away. That's how I've been trained to think of needs. What if needs are intentionally designed to draw us to God? What if our needs, that all along, God wanted an intimate, vibrant relationship with us, and one of the things he gave us to draw us to him was need? That would change it, wouldn't it? I would look at my needs differently from this point forward. Still not necessarily, I'm not in denial here, it's not pleasant, they can be uncomfortable, but they, be, they present an opportunity. Because faith is the intersection between your need and God's supply. Now, a couple things I want to point out on that before we get ready to wrap up here today. Um, in verse 3, Elisha made a statement. And I pointed it out when I read it. He says, go get yourself some vessels from your neighbors. And, and he says, empty vessels and not too few. That, that brings a couple of things to point uh, to the surface for us that I want us to look at. Number one, God can't fill what isn't empty. God can't fill what isn't empty. They obviously had to be empty jars. If they were full jars, it wouldn't have done any good. They had to be empty. And you're like, well, okay, duh. That's a very powerful principle. That is a very powerful understanding when you understand this walk of faith and how we are wired and how we don't like the whole empty thing. We like full. We want to be full. There's a powerful principle in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You've probably heard this passage. Apostle Paul is writing, he says, but he said to me, the Lord said to me, is what Paul is saying. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's a problem. I don't like weakness. I don't like thinking of myself as weak. 
I want to present myself. I've been trained to present myself as competent, able, powerful, if you will. That whole idea of His grace is sufficient. And His strength is made perfect in weakness is a challenge. Because I want to think of myself as powerful. And here's the deal. If all you ever want to get is what you've already gotten, if all you ever want is human kind of best effort, then carry on. Because that's what you're getting and that's what you're able to produce. He's suggesting there is a different strength, a different power that is available. But to appropriate that, we must understand and willingly admit our areas of weakness. And we don't like to do that. We want to seem competent, sufficient. And, and it starts at the earliest age. My little granddaughter, Rylan, she's not two yet, okay? Uh, we have a piano at the house, and, you know, we play piano. And uh, she, so she sits on my lap and plays the piano, and then I'll start playing a song with her, trying to make a little duet, and, you know, something wonderful. And she's okay for a second until she notices that, oh, that beautiful music, yeah, th- th- those are Pop's hands. And she immediately takes my hands and pushes them off the piano. 88 keys, dear. You got 10 fingers. You're really only using two. And quite frankly, Pops is better than you. I'm way better than her. She's not very good yet. I mean, a lot of pressure in our family, I'm just saying. <laughs> but she doesn't care. She's like, I got it. My deal. Any of us who've ever driven with our kids, you ever driven, had them on your lap, and let them pretend they're driving or something? Put your hands on that wheel. Mm, you know? That's the same thing we do with God. We, when it's a crisis, we cry out, but I'm just going through life when God's saying, I've got a better direction. Let, let, let me lead here. Let me do something amazing with your life. It's like, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. See, faith acknowledges my need. Acknowledges my need. And my, even my helplessness. And that's not fun. We don't like it. We tend to hide our need. Our needs make us feel vulnerable, so we hide them, and we kind of puff up and try to pretend we're something else. That is a devastating habit when it comes to the big pictures of life as God designed it. Listen in Matthew chapter 9, 10 through 13. This should make some of us uncomfortable. Uh, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, now you remember Matthew, okay? He was a Jewish guy, like all Jesus' disciples were, okay? And like Jesus was. But he was a tax collector. And in that day, the tax collectors were not very popular because they were collecting taxes for the temple, but also for the Romans. And they were unsavory, and it was not always honest, and they just were the bad sort of people. They hung around with bad sort of people. It's not a good thing, okay? So Jesus is having dinner at Matthew's house. And we're told many other tax collectors, many tax collectors and sinners, came and ate with, he, with him and his disciples. Now, when the Pharisees, who were the religious cream of the crop, they were the most righteous, the, they, just ask any of them, they'll tell you how great they were, okay? But they were, they were the respected, they were the top of the religious heap, they were the ones who got to set the tone. When the Pharisees saw this, saw Jesus having dinner at this unsavory house with these unsavory people, when they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then he says this, For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If you want to be filled with the presence of God, if you want the gifts that God created, if you want the life God created for you, you're going to have to say, Lord, without you, I'm sick. And Lord, I'm a sinner. And that's the part that's a problem. Because we don't like that. 
We like, sometimes uncomfortably like the Pharisees, self-righteousness. I can do it myself. I'm not too bad. I'm better than them. And we can tend to find examples and we find people and go, yeah, look how much better I am than them. Right? God, notice me. And it's like, yeah, that's not the standard. This isn't some sort of competition. It's not grading on a curve. This is about God wanting to do something that only God can do and make us truly clean and righteous and fruit-bearing in our lives. See, I can't be full of myself and full of him. I have to choose. As long as I think I've got it handled, I will be keeping God out. So God can't fill what isn't empty. Now, you go, okay, practically, what does that mean? How do I kind of empty myself or empty the areas of my life that God needs to fill? Well, it's hard to say, except let me give you what I would call a confession of emptiness that I jotted down. Confession of emptiness, just a prayer that would reflect the heart moving towards emptying out before the Lord and allowing him to fill. Simply this, Lord, I can't do this on my own. My way can never yield the kind of fruit that you want to bring in my life. I'm tired, and I'm through trying to do this on my own. I need you. I surrender to your plan. That's the heart of emptiness. Remember, faith is the intersection between your need and God's supply. Before I can have God's supply, I have to recognize my own need. Second thing, not only can God not fill what isn't empty, God can't fill what isn't available. God can't fill what isn't available. The only jars that got filled were the ones that were made available. Okay? There were only so many jars that they got, and those were the only ones that got filled. When they ran out of jars, the oil dried up. That was what we saw. So my question to us, very simply, what areas are off-limits to God? Think about it. As we sit here in a Christian church, and many of us devout followers of Jesus, are there areas of our lives that we say, okay, yeah, God, I'm willing to give this, I'm willing to engage with you here, I'm willing to invite your word and your spirit into my life in this area, but not over here, not over here. Chances are... God's going to keep bringing us round and round to where we deal with that area because to the degree that we keep areas off limits to God, we keep him at arm's length and we will never experience the life we were created for and the gift that he intended to give us through his spirit. And let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series on faith called Unseen. And if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, It's available right now on demand on the sermon page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come and visit River City, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to this message called Filled by Faith. This is Real Life Radio. 
Romans 12.1 kind of says what we're supposed to make available. Okay? And it lays it out pretty bluntly for us. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So yeah, pretty much all of me. That is our true sacrifice of worship. And God wants to take that and multiply it and do something beautiful with it. A great example of that is Peter when he literally kind of offers his body. You remember the disciples were in a boat and they saw Jesus walking on the water. And this was not normal. Okay? I don't think I need to say that, but for those of you who are like, well, what's the problem? It's Jesus. They'd never seen Jesus walk on the water yet. This is the first time. And they're in this boat and they're freaking out. It says they thought he was a ghost. And then they're like, no, that's not a ghost. That's Jesus. And so, Jesus immediately says to them, because they're screaming out about the ghost, and da, 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 he says, take courage. It is I. It's me. Don't be afraid. And listen to this. This is where the story gets a little twist. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Can you imagine the other disciples at that moment? just looking at him like, what is wrong with you? It's crazy enough that we're looking at Jesus, and we're having a conversation, and it's a storm, and he's out on the water. You're saying, if it's you, tell me to come, and... You know, and they're just looking at him like he's nuts. And Jesus, I can almost see Jesus just get a little smirk. Come on. Scripture says, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on water and came toward Jesus. Amazing moment. The other disciples were like, oh my gosh, look at Peter. That's so crazy. But when he, Peter, saw the wind, because it was a stormy night, Another translation says he saw the wind and the waves because it was rough water. He was afraid. And immediately he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The part, the part of this that I find disturbing is Peter, who literally threw his body out and said, I'll come out with you, Jesus. I believe you. He's called you of little faith. Why did you doubt? This is the guy who got out of the boat. I mean, don't the, the others are sitting there, and they're not like hoping Jesus doesn't look at them. Just kind of, I don't even want to hear what he's going to say to me. Oh, but you have little faith. Why did you doubt? What's he really trying to say? Peter, you walked on water because you looked at me, you trusted me. Don't take your eyes off me, because it'll kill your faith. Peter, offering himself, making himself available, and because of that, he experienced an unbelievable, noteworthy miracle right there. And of course, ultimately we know God used him to change the world. There's no holding back. God can only fill what's made available to him. Whatever you hold back will be shielded from the blessing and power of God. So as you start thinking of areas where you're not experiencing the blessing and power of God, stop and look and say, am I holding something back? What is it that you're holding back? Maybe it's a relationship that you're afraid to bring into the light because you don't trust God with the outcome. If that's true. You can't, he can't fill that. He can't fill what isn't available. Maybe it's a secret part of your life that you're trying to hide from him couple problems with that first of all it's impossible the whole omniscience thing he knows he's god okay so it doesn't work a second problem if you're trying to hide stuff and keep it from him he can't fill it It comes off limits and it's not only off limits from the gaze 
and the word of God, it becomes off limits to the blessing and the good fruit that God wants to bring. Maybe you're holding back your finances. You need financial provision, but you refuse to trust God. You refuse to bring your finances under his authority by practicing biblical principles. You're afraid to tithe. You're afraid to do the things that the scriptures say because I don't trust God with the outcome. Sorry, he can't fill that. What are you holding back? That's really the question, isn't it? And the more you present, the more he fills. The widow would tell us, yeah, don't, don't skimp on the jars. The more you open up, the more of your life you say, God, yeah, this jar, this jar, this jar, this jar. I want you to fill it. This jar, this jar. Then my kids, come here, the little jars, God, fill them. You know? That's what these parents are doing up here. They're presenting their children, saying, God, fill them. Bless them. Faith is the intersection between your need and God's supply. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this, God always begins with what you already have. I love that simple principle. He always begins with what you already have. It's not like I have to go out and do some big exotic thing or climb a mountain or do a quest or a crusade. Elisha said to her, verse 2, what will I do with you? Well, tell me what you have in the house. And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Very important principle. God's provision starts by surrendering what you already have. God's provision starts by surrendering what you already have. Some people think, well, you know, if, if I had a million dollars, then I would do this for God. Or if I had this house, or I lived this type of thing, or if I had this, then I'd be able to, and then I would go do, and then, and here's a, and I don't mean to be harsh here, but let me just help you. No, you wouldn't. You just wouldn't, because if you're not doing it with the money you currently have, you won't do it with more. If you're not doing it with the house you currently have, you won't do it more. Not doing it with the kids you have, won't do it more. It's just a simple principle, because it all comes from the heart. God's provision starts by surrendering what you already have. It reminds me of what he said to Moses. Remember the burning bush? Moses is whining and crying, I can't, God, it's too hard, Pharaoh's mean. You know, that whole kind of encounter. And God finally says, Moses, what's that in your hand? It was a shepherd's staff. He says, throw it down. And he throws his shepherd's staff down. Turns into a serpent, remember? Power of God. And then, then he picks, picks it back up, and it's a staff again. Later in Scripture, do you realize that it's called, when Moses is leading the people, it's called the rod of God. It's a subtle little thing. They don't make a big fanfare about it. But that shepherd's staff that Moses had at the burning bush when he was so afraid became the rod of God that became a representation of the power of God in the life and ministry of Moses. Because he threw it down and said, okay, God, it's yours. And with it, his life. And of course, God used Moses to change the world. You might say, well, but I don't have anything. That's my problem. I don't have any." Yes, you do. Don't worry about what you don't have. You're only responsible for what you do have. But all that I have is ruined. Trust him. Give it to him. See what he does. Faith is the intersection between your need and God's supply. My challenge to you this morning is trust him. Trust him. It's like, okay, what do we do about this? Well, what I want you to do this morning, I want you to break out the empty jars. I want you to break out the empty jars and expect him to fill them. Expect him to fill them. And don't skimp. Don't hold back. Begin to offer those areas. Here, five, real quick, if you want some practical. Okay, how do I actually do this? Five real quick suggestions on how to make room, how to break out the jars and let God begin to fill them. Number one, identify my areas of need identify my areas of need. And if you have a hard time, like, well, I can't. Some of you are like, well, that's easy. 
Others of you, I'm not sure, just answer the question. What are you worried about? What are the things you worry about? That's, that's an area. Okay? Identify my area needs. Second, bring them before the Lord. Tangibly, you and God. Okay? Doesn't have to be some big fanfare. You don't have to come up here. You don't have to go find a priest. You don't have to do any of that. You before the Lord. Okay, Lord, this is a need. God, I want your will. I want your direction. I need your provision. I need your guidance. I bring this before you. Bring it before the Lord. Number three, listen for his voice and do what he says. Listen for his voice and do what he says. You mean, okay, now I'm going to hear voices. Is this what you're telling me, preacher? Is that really what I'm going to be dealing with? Yes. And it may not be an audible voice. It's a simple thing. Can God talk in an audible voice if he wants to? Yes. My granddaughter, who's not very good at the piano, can speak in an audible voice. So I'm sure the Almighty can. Okay? But I've never heard him like that. Can he? Sure. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. When I say, listen for the voice of God, as you begin to get into his word and he begins to speak to you, I just encourage you, daily time in the word is a way to begin to hear what God says, how he would speak. At reallife.org, we have a Bible reading plan that's a chapter a day. I encourage you, check it out. But as you sit with the word and listen for his voice, as you pray and bring that need before him and say, God, what, do you, is it what part do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with what I have? Listen for his voice, and then here's the challenging part. Do what he says. Go Nike on it. Just do it. Really. And, and what's interesting is that the simple act of praying about it will often reveal very quickly, this is what God would do. It's like we're good at this tug of war and all the opinions, all stuff. When you, the minute you say, God, what do you want to do? It's like you already know the answer and you've been avoiding it. <laughs> the minute, you know, it's, it's kind of like some of the, you, you, at, at times, his spirit will made, immediately make it clear, yep, it's this. Oh, God, but that'll cost me and people won't understand. And, you know, it's like filling empty jars with, it's filling jars with my one little jar and it just, see, it won't make sense. It's embarrassing. Don't overthink it. If everything God did made sense to us, he wouldn't be very divine, would he? Common sense is great, folks. It really is. It's great. It just can't release the power of God. Common sense for your bookkeeping and accounting, stick with it. Go with common sense, okay? Dental hygiene, common sense, please, all right? But when it comes to seeing the miraculous power of God released, common sense can become a real hindrance. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Remember Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But my own understanding is all I got. Well, we're trying to give you a different understanding now. Lean not on my own understanding. We call it cripple Christianity. Don't lean on that crutch. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And by the way, listening for his voice is a lifelong journey of understanding. You get better at it. You grow. Listen for his voice, and then do what he says, because the power of God is released in obedience. Number four, then trust him to meet your needs. Expect him to fill the jar. Trust him to meet your need. Trust him with the outcome. And five, this is just good sense, look for more empty jars. Lord, what other areas? Because that's how faith is built. You see a victory in one area. You trust him. You, be, you begin to say, I've got a decision to make with my kids, and I'm going to do it God's way instead of what everybody else thinks I should do or what's most convenient for me. I'm going to do it God's way. And all of a sudden, you see good fruit begin to develop. Your faith just got built. You do something with your finances, and I'm going to do it God's way instead of what, what is my fear tells me to do or what everybody else says to do. I'm going to do it his way. And all of a sudden, you see good fruit. You see God meet your needs. You see something happen, and your faith is built. Watch out. You keep presenting those empty jars, you will become a person whose life is fruitful, bearing great fruit, and who is filled with faith. Faith 
is the intersection between your need and God's supply. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories that bring this all into context, real people, local, tangible. I pray, Lord, that we won't be afraid of the unseen, but that we will begin to look with eyes of faith and that we'll trust you. This doesn't have to wait for seminar. It doesn't have to wait for anything, Lord. Today, I pray for everyone in this room that we'll begin to trust you. Everyone who's watching this video online or wherever, Lord, I just pray that today we will begin to listen for your voice and do what you say and let you fill hearts, our lives, our relationships, our families, our jobs, our finances, all of it. We love you, Lord. We trust you. You are good. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Unseen, Awakening Real Faith. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. You can find the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.